Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome right. to New York. Oh. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! Devils fans, it is as always your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition, a much anticipated edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast, right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. The best place, as always, to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. Happy Thanksgiving. I know it's obviously uh, a couple, it happened back in last Thursday, and it has been a while since the last time I spoke to you guys, but I hope you guys had a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. I hope you had the opportunity to spend time with family and friends. I know I did, and that's kind of why back on Friday, I made a post on all my social media for Devil's State of Mind that said I wanted to give myself basically um, time off for the rest of the week uh, from podcasting as well as, you know, just being on social media to spend time with family and friends because, uh, you know, I, I felt like I needed it. I needed a couple of days to recharge and everything like that. So that's that's really why it's taken me this long. It's taken me, basically, you haven't heard, you haven't seen a new episode in about a week. Um, but I wanted to take some time to do that. I was able to watch some of the last couple of Devils games. I did a live watch along for the Devils game against the Minnesota Wild. So I did watch that one. I watched the highlights of the game against Nashville, and I watched most of the Devils game on Sunday night when we took on the Philadelphia Flyers. And obviously, since the last time we spoke and we had a chance to talk to one another, there has been a lot that has uh, that has gone on. Um, so as always, there is a bunch to talk about here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So I want to start by first, because again, um, 
Thanksgiving has now come and gone, um, and I didn't really get a chance to do an episode uh, for Thanksgiving, I wanted to talk really quickly about some of the things that I'm pretty thankful for, especially involving uh, the Devil State of Mind podcast and everything that I do with the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, First and foremost, I'm just incredibly thankful for my family and my friends who support me day in and day out uh, when I do this. A lot of people, um, even if they don't listen to the episodes, they do support me. They leave likes, they share things when they can. And it means a lot to me that a lot of people out there want to see me succeed and are doing everything they can to help me succeed, particularly my, my parents. They, they've done a hell of a lot to get me to the position that I'm in. Uh, right now. Um, I'm also incredibly thankful for the Hockey Podcast Network, for Isha and Dylan for finding me uh, by pure coincidence and, you know, just having the opportunity to come on and have my very own podcast talking about my favorite hockey team, talking about my favorite sport, and really just giving someone like myself an opportunity to live a dream. And that is to talk about, you know, devil's hockey. And this is something that I, this is one of the many goals in my career that I've always wanted to try to achieve. And I'm just happy that I get this opportunity uh, because without this platform, I would not be able to do this. And I'm very, very, very thankful for everything with the Hockey Podcast Network, even doing the live watch-alongs and everything like that. It's been absolutely wonderful, and I'm looking forward to continuing to build my career and continuing to build the Hockey Podcast Network and Devil's State of Mind moving forward. And lastly, I just want to say that I'm incredibly thankful for all of you that take time out of your day to listen to my episodes, that take time to follow me on social media and interact with me and everything like that. It means the world to me that so many people care enough to, you know, talk to me and to talk about, you know, the devils and talk about hockey. And it, it's just wonderful. I've grown to meet so many people through this devils fans, hockey fans. I've had the opportunity to interview some pretty well-known people in the hockey world and it's just been absolutely phenomenal. So I wanted to say thank you to everybody uh, who listens to my episodes and supports me uh, because without your guys love and support, the devil state of my podcast would not be where it is today. And at last time I checked, the Devil State of My podcast is one of the most listened to podcasts on the network. And I'm not just saying that, you know, to be cocky or anything. I'm saying that because I've seen it and, and everybody's seen it. And it's it means the world to me that so many people want to take time out of their day to listen to my podcast. It really does mean the world. And I do appreciate as well that a lot of people reached out to me over the last couple of days and and told me and you know thanked me for you know coming out and and being honest and and supporting me when I decided that I wanted to take a little bit of a break. Um, I really really needed it and I appreciate so many people have been supportive uh, of me. So those were just some of the the many people uh, and obviously if I didn't get to everybody I do apologize but you all know that that I I'm very grateful for all of you and I'm thankful for all of you but those are just some of the main uh you know parties involved that I'm incredibly uh thankful for that have helped me get to the position that I'm in now and will continue to help me you know grow as a person grow as a broadcaster grow as a sports uh personality um I, I know that they will continue to support me and I will continue to do the best that I can to make all of you guys proud as I continue on here with the Devil's State of Mind podcast. Now, the next quick thing I wanted to talk about because we talked about it in the last episode and now we officially got word about it. Um, back earlier this past week, the Devils did announce, well, they didn't announce, they revealed 
the black jerseys. And they were exactly what we thought they were from the leaks and everything. Once you kind of get leaks, unless something dr- dr- you know dramatically changes from those leaks, uh, you're pretty much whatever you see is what you're going to get. And this is exactly what, what we ended up getting at the end of the day. Um, and so a lot of people have asked me, I've been on some podcasts and I've talked to some of my friends and other people in the devil's community about my personal feelings towards these jerseys and really, you know, my whole thing about it. And I will continue to say this. I don't hate these jerseys, but I don't love them either. Because again, like I mentioned in the last episode, there was so much potential with them. There's so much opportunities and I've shown different examples of this. And a lot of people have said, oh, those would have looked sick. It's just unfortunate that we got to, um, that this is the position that we're in. And again, I don't really, it's hard for me not to want to completely get, you know, angry with regards to how this all went down. But at the same time, I understand in, in several ways why the devils went down this way. I just think that when you look at it on the Jersey, it literally just says Jersey. So that kind of was like, Oh, well, congratulations. You have defined that this is exactly what it is. A Jersey. I do love the fact that the devil's social media team has taken this type of, you know, you know, people making fun of it, making a joke of this and running with it. I mean, they were, they sold a bunch of hats that literally just said the word hat. Um, We saw that the devil's Jersey, this black Jersey is already sold out on the devil's website. So clearly there are still a lot of people that um, really like this. It grows on them. It has grown on me a little bit. I did say before, and I'll say it again, that I want to see how these jerseys look on the ice. And I think that will give me my final, um, my final opinion of this whole thing. Maybe it will look a lot better once they're on the ice. I think that happens with a lot of these jerseys. But at the end of the day, I just think that there was potential to do some really good things with a black jersey. And I didn't feel like that Adidas and the Devils put in their best effort. Um, It's hard for me not to want to criticize Marty Bruder because he was the one that was uh, in charge of, you know, designing this jersey. And again, it kind of puts everybody in a little bit of an uncomfortable light. But I wanted to quickly read to you guys because I'm sure most of you at this point already know because the devil shared it. But I wanted to read some of the things that the devils put out about why the devils made this jersey and the particulars about it. So the first thing they talk about is the crest. And they say an unbashed proclamation that above all else, we play for jersey. Okay, so again, I understand why they have the word jersey on the front. I personally would would the only thing I would change about that is simply just just put New Jersey. I feel like if it said New Jersey, I feel like that would look a little bit cooler, especially if you put new in a smaller font above the word Jersey. I think that would look kind of cool, kind of old schoolish, but I do also get why they just went with Jersey. Uh, Black base, a never before worn base color outfitting a devil's team led by a core group of young phenoms taking us into the next era. Okay, that seems like a pretty cool thing. Touch of red, acknowledging our legacy as the New Jersey Devils, the constant color that represents our team and our fans. You knew, obviously, the Devils were going to have to put some red in there. I think a lot of us thought that the Devils were just going to have the logo, you know, the Devils logo in the middle there, and that's how the way we were going to go for it. But the Devils still tried to add some red in there. They have it, you know, on the inside of the word jersey and also on the back color as well from what I've seen. Now, this is actually a very cool feature um, that the Devils decided to do with this. 
21 white stripes for the 21 counties that make up New Jersey. Five stripes on the left shoulder, above the heart, in, in particular are a nod to the five legends whose banners hang in the rafters at the Prudential Center. So that's actually a really cool thing that they're honoring all of the counties in New Jersey, even in South Jersey, because again, the devils are not the best when it comes to, you know, um, being open with, you know, South Jersey, because again, most of South Jersey is uh, Flyers fans. So it's really more central and North Jersey, but for still, but still for them to shout them out, I think is really, really great. Also to, you know, give a, give a nod to, so, you know, the, the Hall of Fame players that we have whose numbers are hanging up in the rafters. The other thing that um, I think we talked about a little bit, but we did find out that the Devils jerseys also are honoring three different uh, previous New Jersey hockey teams. We had talked about that. It sounded like that they were just honoring one, which was the Newark Bulldogs, who again played one season of hockey in 1928-29. But they're also honoring the Rivervale Skeeters, who played from 1939 to 1942, and the Jersey Larks, which played in the 1960-61 season. And all three of these teams had the striped uh, black jersey concept. So I guess that's really what they were kind of going for. So that's kind of cool. Now, on the interior collar, just like some of the other jerseys we've seen, the championship years dipped in Stanley Cup silver, which is kind of cool. So you see 95, 2000, 2003. The laces representing a piece of gold netting as a nod to the GOAT, Marty Brodeur, and the creator of the jersey. So uh, like I said, we found out that Marty Brodeur was the main man in charge of designing this jersey, which when you look at everything that they decided to do with this, I think you can kind of get why... Um, the Devils did that. So at the end of the day, that is um, all of the reasonings and the back story to this jersey. So at the end of the day, I don't hate this jersey. Um, I don't love it either. I do like a lot of the things about honoring, you know, some teams that we've never heard before, honoring the legends that we've had in this organization. Um, but at the end of the day, I still think there was potential to do more with this jersey. Um, but I still want to see what they look like on December 8th. Uh, when the Devils will first wear those jerseys. And the Devils also did announce all of the games that they will be wearing this jersey. So again, the first time we're going to see them is December 8th versus the Flyers. Then it's December 18th at Detroit, December 23rd at home against Montreal, January 6th versus Columbus, January 10th versus Tampa Bay, January 19th versus the Coyotes, January 25th versus Dallas, February 24th versus the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, March 12th versus Anaheim, March 22nd versus the Rangers, April 3rd against the Islanders, April 5th against the Rangers, and then the last time this season will be April 29th against the Detroit Red Wings. And if my, um, you know, if they say if my calculation is correct, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Yes, the Devils are indeed wearing this jersey exactly 13 times, and they said that they are doing that to honor their captain, number 13, Nico Kishir. So again, another nice little touch to this whole thing. The other thing that uh, a lot of people saw that I think was absolutely awesome was that the Devils were also going to be auctioning off one pair of an Adidas shoe that is you know black and white with the three white stripes because it is adidas and those are super cool we saw that pk suban also got himself his own version of that on the tongue it says made in jersey um i would love for this 
shoe to be available for everybody. I don't know if it will eventually be for everybody, but that shoe looks absolutely phenomenal. In some ways, a lot of people have said the shoe looks better than the jersey itself, um, but it looks really, really cool. Um, so at the end of the day, overall, to quickly just wrap this up, I don't hate the jersey. I don't love it either. I still want to see what it looks like on the ice. There is still potential that it could look really, really good on the ice. The shoes are phenomenal. I love the nod to all the other things that the Devils mentioned that they're honoring with this jersey. And I'm hoping that once we see them, uh, I have a much more positive opinion on it and we could kind of go from there. Will I buy one? Maybe. Maybe I won't. We shall see as we move along here. But the Devils did officially reveal their um, black jersey, which again, the first time you will see it is on December 8th when we're at home against the Philadelphia Flyers. So now we're going to get to the three games uh, that have happened since the last episode that I did. The first one was back on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, as the Devils were at home against the first place in their division, the Minnesota Wild. And like I said before, I was doing a live watch along with my good friend, Isha Jeromey, who's one of the hosts of the Soda Pod, which covers all things Minnesota Wild, so go check out them. He's also one of the head honchos at the Hockey Podcast Network, one of the guys that found me and gave me the opportunity um, to do the Devil State of Mind podcast and be a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, we had an interesting, not even start to this game, we had an interesting storyline before this game started because when the, Devils get, when the Devils pregame show came on, the first thing they showed was a bus pulling up to the arena. And I was like, well, that's weird. The Devils don't, the Devils never really do that. What, what exactly am I looking at here? Well, because I had the TV off because I wasn't allowed to have the sound on, we ended up finding out that the Minnesota Wild didn't get to the Prudential Center until about six, I think they said like 6.50, um, I believe was the time that they got in, which is obviously about 15 minutes prior to puck drop. Now, the reason that they were 15, that they got there so late was because they were staying in New York and actually had to try to go through the Holland Tunnel. And there, I don't know if they ended up saying that there was delays or that the, the I think actually the Holland Tunnel was shut down uh, for a while there uh, during that day. But the Wild had to find a different way to get to New Jersey. Don't know um, what way they exactly went. I don't know if they ended up going through the Lincoln Tunnel or whatever, but Nonetheless, they ended up getting to the Prudential Center very, very, very late, um, which kind of begs the question of why was the Wilds staying in um, in New York? They weren't playing the Rangers. They weren't playing the Islanders after us or before us. So why were they staying in New York? There were op there obviously are pretty big hotels, even in Newark, that, the, that these teams could have that the Wild could have stayed in. Um, that, you know, it would have been easier for them. But that's neither here nor there. So we had a pretty late start to the game, about a half hour uh, delay time. The game started uh, at exactly 7.33, which again, very specific, um, what is it called? Very specific start time. They still ended up having warmups. It was just, I think it was only like 10 minutes. It was a very, very quick uh, warmups and kind of go from there. The biggest, uh, the two biggest things that we got from the Devils' perspective was number one, Alexander Holtz was sent back down to the Utica Comets, and Chase DeLeo was called up. Chase DeLeo was called up as he was the top point getter for the Utica Comets, so he obviously has done very, very well down in Utica and earned an opportunity to come up here and play in New Jersey and make his Devils' debut. And as for Alexander Holtz, 
I'm not surprised that he ended up getting sent down because, you know, he's had some opportunities where he could have scored, but hasn't cashed in. He looks like he's still a little bit of a step slow and still learning the North American ice in the NHL game. And there's nothing wrong with sending him back down. And I'm sure he understood that. And the first game that he got, that he got sent back down, the first game he played in after being sent back down to Utica, he scored. So again, He's going to continue to develop and go from there. I wouldn't be surprised if he came back up at some point during the season, maybe towards the end of the year, who knows, but let's give him some time to continue to develop here. I'm sure he understands it. He's still incredibly young and we got to let him develop as best as he possibly can, the way that he knows how to develop and go from there. So that was where I wasn't really upset. I was obviously disappointed because we have such high expectation for Alexander Holtz, but still, for you know, I understood the move and Chase Leo. I mean, he could bring some speed, he could bring some physicality. He's gotten some points. He's like I said, he's gotten off to a good start point-wise down in Utica. And the hope is, is that he can help contribute to a winning cause uh while he's up here in New Jersey. But the other thing that came out was that Ty Smith was a healthy scratch, and, and we found this out moments before the game started. So I kind of chalked this up to, I think Lindy Rupp was trying to send a message to Ty Smith, like he's done with some other guys where, you know, if they're struggling, they're just not going to play and they need to sit back and watch the team and watch the game from a different perspective up in the, uh, I don't know if you call it the press box or where, you know, the team sits in the suite um, for the games. Um, I kind of get the move. He's gotten up to a pretty slow start in his second year and guys are going to have that, um, have those moments, especially in their sophomore year. And I think that at the end of the day, this is going to more or less benefit Ty Smith than hurt him. I, I think that, and, and I think Ty Smith understands that as well. So that was a little bit of a surprise, but I also did get it when the Devils decided to do it. Um, as far as the game is concerned, the, the, the Devils, for the most part, outplayed the Minnesota Wild. They had a lot of really good chances, um, but the Wild, the only difference was they had opportunities and they cashed in. And they scored twice in that first period on goals by Ryan Hartman and then a shorthanded goal by Nico Stern. So after one period of play, it was two to nothing. Uh, in total, the Devils hit the post, I think, four or five times in this game. So they clearly had opportunities to score a handful of goals and win this game. The post just wasn't in their favor and they just weren't being able to convert. Um Things kind of quiet down in the second period. And then we go to the third. And once again, just like in the previous game against Tampa, you're down by two goals going into the third period. And just like in the game against Tampa, the Devils came back to tie the game uh, at two with scoring two unanswered goals in the third period. Goals by Pavel Zaka and Sharon Govich. So that gives Sharon Govich uh, from Tampa into this game. That's three goals in two games. So Sharon Govich is starting to get back to being Sharon Govich, which is absolutely phenomenal. It's great to see him finally getting off there. Zaka continuing to have his best start to his career off to just such a, a strong start and playing super, super well and developing into a talented top six forward. But no more goals were scored in that third period, and the game ended up having to go to overtime. The Devils had some really good opportunities in overtime. Dougie Hamilton took a wrist shot that beat Cam Talbot, but it hit the post, adding another shot that hit the post. Um, the Devils, I felt like, were the better team in overtime, but could not score. The Wild didn't either, so the game had to go to shootout. And there was only one goal in the shootout, and that was by Kevin Fiala in the second round. And the Devils ended up losing the game in a shootout by the score 
of three to two. So again, another one of those games where the Devils fought back and still got a point, but they had opportunities to get that second point to come all the way back. They could not cash in. They continue to struggle in the shootout. I think they're now like what one in three in the shootout at this point in the season. So another season where the Devils are struggling to win games in the shootout. And I'm really hoping that this can start to turn around because, I mean, even in that shootout, the, the attempts were just not great. And that was kind of the frustrating thing with it. Um, and as a result, the Wild were able to still pull away and get that second point. But the Devils did get a point. And with that loss, the Devils dropped to 8, 5, and 4. And with the win, the Minnesota Wild improved to 12, 6, and 1. Now, before I get to the next uh, game recap, which was against the Nashville Predators back on Friday, the Devils did actually make a player move. Um, earlier in the week, the Seattle Kraken had put none other than former Devil Nate Bastion on waivers. And so obviously teams had 24 hours to make a decision as to whether or not they wanted to claim him. And if he didn't, I think most likely Bastion would have been sent down to the Charlotte Checkers to play alongside another former Devil in Connor Carrick down in the AHL. But you saw over the 24-hour period that a lot of Devils fans were constantly preaching about the Devils need to claim Bastion off waivers. We need to bring him back, bring back that physicality. And even Ellie Friedman on his latest podcast episode said he had never gotten so many DMs about a team, about, you know, wondering if a team picked up a certain player off waivers than he did with Devils fans you know, DMing Ellie Freeman about uh, the Devils, you know, if they're going to claim Nate Bastion off of waivers. So that was kind of a funny thing that the Devils fans really pushed. And that's what Devils fans do. We, When we have an opportunity to get somebody, we try to push as much as possible. We've done it before with guys like Nikita Gusev and also obviously like Nate Bastion and other players like that. We pushed and there have been times where it's actually worked and it ended up uh, being the case here because on Friday, the Devils announced that they had claimed Nate Bastion off of waivers and he would be rejoining the New Jersey Devils. So that contract that the Devils signed Nate Bastion, um, the Devils still have that contract now with Bastion coming back to it. So Nasty Nate or Nader, as some people call him, has officially come back to the New Jersey Devils. He flew from Seattle to, I believe, Florida and then from Florida to Nashville. Um, so he got there, I think the morning, you know, in the morning of the devil's game against the Nashville predators, Lindy Ruff did announce that he was going to be in the lineup for that game. So he would immediately get back in the lineup. So he wore that number 14 Jersey and Michael McLeod gets his best friend back. They had a little bit of a hiatus for, uh, you know, early on this season, but Nate Bastion gets an opportunity to come back and play for the red and black last season. He had three goals, seven assists, for 10 points. Um, and also the Devils announced with that uh, claim that Jesper Boquist, who honestly I thought in some games has looked really, really good and maybe is finally finding a role. Uh, he was placed on injured reserve with an upper upper body injury retroactive to November 18th. So add another player who is going to be out for some time um, to the Devils list. So it's unfortunate, but another devil does come back to New Jersey. And again, we're hoping that now having two thirds of that physical energy line that we had last year uh, can bring some can bring some of that same energy and physicality 
uh, to this team on the bottom six. So I'm not really against Nate Bastion. I'm, I am surprised about the amount of people that were so big on bringing him back, but I also understand what he can bring to this team and the, the familiarity that he has with Lindy Ruff and this system and basically with the majority of the players that are on this team. So Nate Bastion was claimed off of waivers earlier this past week and is now once again back with the red and black. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But the, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point score. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on all the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prices all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So now we shift over to the next game that the Devils played that I mentioned before, and that was the Devils traveled to Nashville to take on the Nashville Predators. This was the first time in over two years that the Devils faced off against the Predators. We're going to be seeing a lot of that as this season progresses because we haven't seen a lot of teams that were playing this year uh, in quite some time. Obviously, he who shall not be named is the head coach of the Nashville Predators. And whenever the Devils play the Predators, for me personally, I, it's a little bit more special because I want to see the Devils dominate Nashville. It has nothing to do with the Nashville players or fans or anything like that. Just has to do with the man behind the bench because of what he did here in New Jersey. As I mentioned before, Nate Bastion was indeed in the lineup for this one. And this game was unfortunately on ESPN+. Plus. So again, some of you I know for a fact did not get a chance to watch this game because you didn't have ESPN+, Plus, which I understand and I sympathize with. And I really hope that the Devils are not in ESPN Plus for a long time because it really is a pain in the rear end to have to go to a computer or use a Roku, you know, and, and it, it makes it more complicated than simply just turning on the TV and going to MSG to watch these games. So it, that's kind of um, that's kind of the annoy the 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 frustratingness of it all. And I'm not and again. I just think ESPN does a half-assed job when it comes to doing hockey and everything like that, but it is what it is. But I will just say this because I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this game because straight up, right from the start, the Devils looked like garbage. It took them into the third period for them to finally get 10 shots on goal. This was 100% the worst game the Devils have played this year. It might also be one of the worst games I've seen the Devils play in quite some time. And the Devils played a lot of bad games last year, but this definitely takes the cake. And I'm glad that I really didn't uh, watch this game. I had to watch the highlights, but I didn't watch this game in full because I would have been fuming uh, with this game. It just, they were out being outplayed right from the start. They had a lot of shots that ended up getting blocked or a lot of shots that just completely missed the net. UC Saros had a relatively easy night in net and Jonathan Bernier, who got the start in this one, was solid in net. 
He did give up two soft goals, in my opinion, which was the first two goals. But nonetheless, he was very solid in it. He did what he could to keep the, the Devils in it. But the Devils offense just was not supporting him at all and not really giving uh, the team much of an opportunity to really have any success in this game. Um, like I said, they struggled to produce. A lot of the shots were either blocked or missed the net. And Nashville, you know, really right out of the gate, just decided that they were going to dominate this game from start to finish. Uh, the Predators' goals came from Yossi, Tomasino, Granlin, and Carrier. Carrier's goal uh, ended up being an empty netter. The Devils did finally wake up in the third period and were able to get a couple of goals um, to make this game look closer. A goal by Andreas uh, Johnson, uh, excuse me, Johnson. That third line again of Mercer, Brett, and Johnson striking again, getting a goal. It was just a nice pass from Mercer over to Johnson on a one-time shot, and he was able to score there. And then after the Predators scored an empty net goal. Tomas Tatar got a breakaway opportunity and he went through the legs of UC Saros into the back of the net to get his third goal of the year to make it four to two. And that would be all that she wrote as the Devils dropped this one by the score of four to two in Nashville. And with the loss, the Devils dropped to eight, six and four. And with the win, the Nashville Predators improved their record to 11, eight and one. So at this point, going into Sunday's game, I started to personally feel like, are we once again going back to the type of hockey that we've seen in years past, where we're not really scoring enough, and we're struggling to win some of these games, and we're, we're going back to typical Devils hockey, so to speak. That was my feeling going into the game against the Flyers. Now, before I talk about the game against the Flyers, we got some massive news about Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes was cleared to be a full participant in the Devils practice on Saturday. Now, earlier in the week, he was practicing, but he was wearing a non-contact jersey, and he didn't practice the whole time. But instead, both, um, I believe both before, I think it was the morning skate and the, before the game on Friday against Nashville, he was practicing with the team, and then he was, full, he was fully cleared to practice and do everything with the Devils on Saturday. It was the first time since the October 19th shoulder injury that Jack Hughes had skated in a full team practice without restrictions or a non-contact jersey. Now, a couple of days ago, Lindy Ruff said that um, Jack Hughes was close to returning to play, and then he updated his state his um, his status by saying that Jack Hughes was very close to returning to play. So we shall see what happens over the next week or so. I am very, very happy that Jack Hughes is at the point where now he can just skate with the team. He could wear a non-contact jersey um, where he could wear, you know, he doesn't have to wear a non-contact jersey and he can skate fully with the team. That goes to show that he is just moments away from playing again. I don't know if he's going to play on Tuesday against San Jose. I would think that there might be a better chance that his first game back will be on Thursday against Minnesota. I think that would probably be the most likely uh, scenario for him, but we shall see. But just getting this news definitely gives you some relief that Jack Hughes is a lot closer to playing than we originally thought. So knock on wood, Let's hope the number 86 is back sooner rather than later. But that is huge news for Jack Hughes. 
So the last game to recap was the Devils game on Sunday night against the Philadelphia Flyers. It was the first meeting of the season between these two rivals, the battle of the Jersey Turnpike, as a lot of people put it. And obviously, again, you're facing off against an divisional opponent. So it's one of those games where you look at it and you say you want to win, but you also don't want to have to go to overtime or shootout if you can avoid it to prevent your opponent from getting even just one point. And the Flyers were coming into this game. They have a lot of injuries. They've been struggling a lot of late coming in on a five-game losing streak. So this was a huge opportunity for the Devils to face up against the team that they have an advantage against and get a win on home ice and, you know, gain some confidence after some tough losses in the last couple of games. Another special uh, thing for this game was that it was Hockey hockey Fights Cancer Night at the Prudential Center. The Devils wore, um, you know, purple and white uh hockey fights cancer jerseys which are absolutely phenomenal i think they're still on auction i'm not totally sure but you can go check those jerseys out they, they honestly i think they're better than the black jerseys that the devils put out but i would love um by the way if these teams could wear these jerseys in the game itself i think those i think that would be really really cool um and maybe they will do that down the road but these jerseys were really really cool the other big news that we got in this game prior to the game was that Ty Smith, after being a healthy scratch in the past three games, was back in the lineup for this one. So again, I think the message that Lindy Ruff wanted to send was loud and clear to Ty Smith, and now he gets the opportunity to get back in the lineup and try to regain some of that confidence that he had last year and try to uh, you know start really get him, getting himself rolling here in just his second season in the NHL. The biggest surprise that we saw with regards to the lineup was that Jimmy Vesey was going from the fourth line to the first line. He was going to end up starting this game on a line with uh, Zaka and Nico Heischer. And I looked at it and I said, you know what? It's honestly not that bad of a move because you look at Vesey. He's second on the team in blocks. He's second on the team in, in time on ice. He has gotten some really, really clutch goals. He's gotten himself a decent amount of points. He's really found himself as a do-it-all type of player. And he's also been pretty damn physical as well. So I think that Lindy Ruff wanted to bring some physicality to that top six going up against a physical team like always in the Philadelphia Flyers. I honestly was... I was surprised, but I was pleasantly surprised. And looking at the way he played in this game, he had some really good opportunities to score himself. So he looked like a guy that definitely was comfortable being on that top six role, being on that first line. He gelled very, very well with both Nico and Pavel Zaka. I don't know if this is going to be something that the Devils will want to continue to do, but it definitely looked like something that could potentially um, be a successful line moving forward. But we'll obviously see um, as we play other teams and as the season uh, continues to progress. But right away, the Devils were way better than they were against Nashville. They came out with a mission that they were going to have a much better start and just a much better game overall. And they were rewarded for their good start just 5.07 into the game. Dougie Hamilton got the puck in the slot. He took a shot, rang off the post. And I was so furious at that moment because the amount of posts the Devils have hit in the last four or five games is ridiculous. I don't, And the Devils hit the post several other times in this game. Zaka hit the post. I think Nico hit the post as well in the slot. At some point, these goals are going to start coming where they're going to go off the post and in. It's going to start going the other way because it can't last this long. I think over the last three or four games, the Devils lead the league in, in shots that have hit the post. It's incredible the amount of times that this has happened. But 
Uh, Dougie Hamilton took the shot off the post, but the Devils kept the puck in the zone. And eventually, Andreas Johnson passed the puck right to Dougie Hamilton, who was standing all alone in the slot, got a beautiful deflection that beat Martin Jones, and the Devils grabbed the one nothing lead. And for Dougie Hamilton, that was his sixth goal of the year, continuing to get off to a really good start and playing super, super well and being as good as advertised uh, when the Devils signed him in the offseason. He has been tremendous. Andreas Johnson continuing to rack up the points and gaining more and more confidence as the games go along. However, the Flyers would eventually tie the game as the Devils, for the second time in three games, gave up a shorthanded goal, this time by Scott Lawton, who went to his backhand, and it beat a sprawling Mackenzie Blackwood and into the back of the net, and the Flyers tied the game up with 2.57 to go in the first period, and that's where it stood after one. Definitely a frustrating goal to give up because, again, you're on the power play and you give up a shorthanded goal, and it felt like it was somewhat of a soft goal to give up if you're Blackwood. I felt like Subban didn't do as good of a job as he should have on the defensive side, but this is P.K. Subban trying to play defense, and we know how that normally goes, but that's neither here nor there. However, with just a minute 47 into the second period, the Devils would retake the lead. It started with Andreas Johnson getting a breakaway, he took a really good wrist shot that was just a better save by Martin Jones. But again, the Devils kept the puck in the zone. It eventually came to Brett, and he fed it over cross crease to Andreas Johnson, who got the puck, took his shot, top shelf, and beat Martin Jones this time. And the Devils were able to regain the lead at 2-1. to one. Andreas Johnson, that is his second goal in two games. So goals in back-to-back games, getting his eighth of the year. And most importantly, the Devils, were able to retake the lead, making it now two to one, just a minute 47 into the second period. And that's where things stood after two periods of play. So you felt pretty good after 40 minutes that the Devils were clearly the better team. They just hadn't been able to score enough to really put this game out of reach. So it was a close game going into the third. The Flyers would end up tying the game just 3-0-4 into the third period on a goal by Joel Farabee, and it was just a bad break because Ryan Graves tried to clear the puck around the boards over to uh, Dougie Hamilton, and it ended up hitting off of the linesman's skate. It went right to Farabee, at, well, it went right to a Flyer player who tried to do a wraparound goal but fed it right over to Farabee with an opening, and he just was able to tap it in and tie the game at two, so it was it was one of those goals where you look at it and you say, do not tell me that the Flyers are still going to come out of here with a win, be, even though they've been completely outplayed, like we saw in the game against the Minnesota Wild earlier in the week. Um, but that was not the case. As the third line of the Devils, Brett, Mercer, and Andreas Johnson once again was able to cash in as Andreas Johnson off of a turnover was able to feed it to Brett who got it on his forehand, went through his backhand through a little bit of a screen in front and was able to beat Martin Jones. And the devils again were able to regain the lead this time at three to two with eight Oh three to go in the third, just for Brad getting himself his fifth goal of the season. And then just two minutes, 17 seconds later, the devils, Again, are in the offensive zone. Michael McLeod goes around the net using the power move with one hand kind of backhand in, backhands it right in front. A little bit of a scramble. Dougie Hamilton eventually gets the puck, feeds it over to a wide open Nate Bastion who taps it in. 
and the Devils double their lead to two, making it now four to two Devils with 546 to go. So in just his second game back with the Devils, Nate Bastion gets himself his second goal of the year, his first with the Devils this season. So welcome back to the Devils. Nate Bastion did not take him long to get himself on the score sheet, and you could see how pumped he was to score in front of the Devils crowd. It was obviously a big-time goal. And the Devils continue to try to put away that third and final goal to really, you know, just end this one. The Flyers ended up pulling Martin Jones with about four minutes to go. So clearly the Flyers were giving themselves an opportunity to try to get back in this one. Some good saves and then a good block, you know, relatively towards the end there was able to lead Andreas Johnson from almost the full ice, was able to fire the puck down into the empty net to score, to get his second goal of the game, his ninth of the year. And that made it. Five to two, and that is where this game ended as the Devils, with a big bounce back victory at home, defeated the Flyers by the score of five to two. With the win, the Devils now improved to nine, six, and four on the season. And with the loss, the Flyers have now made it a six game losing streak, dropping their record to eight, eight, and four. And there were a couple of guys that really stood out in this game. Andreas Johnson with his best game as a Devil. Two goals, two assists, four points in this one. Jesper Bratt, one goal, two assists, three points for him. Dawson Mercer added an assist as well. So in total, that third line, which is arguably far and away our best line, had eight total points in this game. Absolutely phenomenal. But the guy that really stood out the most... And it made sense considering how special this game was for him was Dougie Hamilton. A goal, assist, two points, 10 shots on goal. Absolutely phenomenal. He had nine shots on goal through two periods and only added one in the third. And honestly, he had a couple other shots that missed the net. So the way that I saw it, he almost had about 15, 16 shots on goal himself. He had by far... Overall, his best game as a devil. Even Dougie Hamilton said in the post game that he felt like he should have had three goals in this game. And he was frustrated that he only got one. But that shows you the type of confidence and drive that Dougie Hamilton has. And, and it was absolutely phenomenal that he was able to have as big of a game as he did in that game against the Flyers. But this was just such a special game overall for Dougie Hamilton. Again, it was Hockey Fights Cancer Night, which is always a big time uh, game for for everybody to honor people who are fighting cancer, who have lost their lives due to cancer. And Dougie Hamilton actually knows that experience of losing someone very close to him um, because of cancer, because he actually had a custom stick that he used in this game, I believe, in honor of Theo Rolofsen. Uh, he became close with this with this young lady uh, back when he was playing in Calgary. So this was a little while ago. And unfortunately, she did pass away a few years ago after her battle with cancer. And I wanted to quickly read the story about uh, Dougie Hamilton's relationship with Thea, because I think it's it's really it's really heartwarming and really touching. It has been two years since eight year old Thea lost her battle with a bone cancer called Ewing sarcoma. What they first thought were growing pains in her leg turned into a parent's worst nightmare. But it was in the midst of her valiant 18 month fight for her life, Thea hooked up with the unlikeliest of teammates. And then there's a quote here that said, 
We were visiting the Alberta Children's Hospital at Halloween, and I was dressed as Princess Leia, smiled the six foot six Dougie Hamilton of his first encounter with a radiant little girl who would soon thereafter have a big impact on his life. I remember seeing her and she was just so infectious and so smart and smiley and so intelligent for her age. She came to the game and went on the ice and I saw her and remembered her and she remembered me and it, and it built from there. Dougie would visit her at the Children's Hospital or the Rotary Flames House and at the end would come to the house and spend time with her to lift her spirits, said Patrick. Him and Hamilton's brother, Freddie, would come over and play board games with Thea. As human beings, they went so far above and beyond for Thea when she was sick. There's a side of those guys you would never see. Throughout the chemotherapy and endless doctor visits, Hamilton and Thea exchanged daily Snapchats, providing a distraction from the realities she faced. She asked for a phone and gave me a list of eight reasons why she needed a cell phone, said Leslie. Eight-year-old, uh, eight, year, eight years old, was young for a phone, but she took pictures and she and Dougie would Snapchat with uh, what they were having for lunch. Even Dougie say she was like my best friend. It was so special for her. I don't even know if we really knew how special he was to her or how special she was to him. Perhaps the most memorable day for mom and dad was the double date Freddie and Dougie took the girls on. They went to the movies to see the Lego Batman movie. Great movie, by the way. Just the four of them being Patrick as Bryn chipped in with how exciting it was that they pulled them out of school for it. Amazing. Dougie gave her an escape from the monotony uh, of sitting and doing chemotherapy and being in a hospital bed. He gave her the relief of forgetting where she was. Hamilton fondly recalled the hours he and Thea spent playing games with Disney characters smiling and laughing. Thea unfortunately passed away back in November 2017, but not before spending some of the final days of her life with Hamilton. So this article, by the way, was back in 2019 when uh, Dougie was still in uh, Carolina, by the way. I was with her when she, when she was pretty much on her deathbed, and, he, and that was maybe one of the hardest things I've ever been through in my life, says Dougie Hamilton. Hit me hard for a while. I think for me going through that and being friends with her as a big learning curve experience for me, a big learning experience for me and kind of helped me with the perspective in life. Just trying to be a good person and realizing how good everything is in our lives. Always cherish those moments together. The family is awesome and she is so fun and positive to be around. She made you happy. I wish Thea was still here. It's still surreal. She's gone, but I think she's still here with us and with me. One of the most beautiful parts of the relationship is that Thea's death is not where this story ends. Proving just how genuine his love was for the courageous little girl, her younger sister, actually, uh, and parents, Hamilton has stayed uh, in touch with the role of since. It's obviously a little different now being so far away, said Hamilton, who was traded in June of 2018 by the Flames to Carolina, where he continues to flourish. Now he's flourishing with the Devils. I talked to them a lot on text and stuff. It's cool to be able to keep in contact with them whenever I can Snapchat Bryn. It puts a smile on my face. I can't imagine how hard it is for them and what they're going through. I think about them a lot and I think about Thea a lot. It always puts stuff into perspective and realize how lucky we are. Bryn lights up when asked about the hero in her and her sister's life. We always say we're cheering for the Flames and Dougie. Well, I'm hoping that uh, they cheer for the Devils, Flames, and Dougie now. Uh, she said... Well aware, Freddie has retired from hockey. Not his team, just Dougie. Hamilton's second period goal in a 4-0 win over Calgary put even more smiles on their faces in a day full of warmth. I saw them in warm-up and during the game too. I smiled at Bryn and she smiled at me back. That was cool, said the towering 229-pound softy. So moved by Hamilton's heart 
and the support they received from the flames and local community, the Rolofsons were moved to pay it forward. We built a playground at the girls' school, Eugene Costa, this summer in memory of Thea and gave back to the community, said Patrick. We fundraised for it and won the $50,000 Hitman Community Grant for it. The Flames have been phenomenal. We stay in touch and help them uh, out when we can because they're so good to us. Beautiful, just like the support Thea received. We wish there were more opportunities for us to relay how great an impact the Hamiltons have not just on the hockey community, but on the greater community. Uh, she said, we're fans. He created fans of people who knew Thea but didn't like hockey, but now they like hockey and watch and watch hockey and love Dougie. It's the human element that we don't always see, and we still see it now. So again, that article was two years ago when Dougie Hamilton was still playing with the Carolina Hurricanes. So obviously a lot of the stuff that I said in there was still, you know, from 2019. But again, Dougie Hamilton uh, once again, honored Thea. You can see how close he was with her, how close he is with the family. And this is absolutely, you know, so heartwarming, so tremendous. And it shows you the type of person that Dougie Hamilton is. And it's wonderful that he continues to honor her. And one thing that I did not mention before that I purposely waited to mention now is that when Dougie Hamilton scored that goal to make it one nothing Devils against the Flyers, he immediately pointed to the sky. So you knew exactly now, well, now you know exactly why he did that and that how special that goal was for him. So on a special night, knowing how difficult it was for Dougie to go through that experience, losing someone as close as he was with Thea, um, it was big for him to score there and to have 10, sh 10 shots on goal. You could tell that Thea was in the building and you could tell that she was with Dougie during this game and it was that important to her. So I want to send my deepest uh, condolences to the Rolofson family, who I know are still going through a difficult time, even though it's been a couple of years now since Thea passed. But they continue to honor her. They continue to, you know, remember her. Dougie continues to play for her and, and is, a, and is a, continuing to be a big part of the Rolofson family. And I want to personally say that I commend Dougie Hamilton for being this way. I give all the credit in the world to the Rolofson family as well for all the hard work that they put in to honor, um, honor Thea and also to just help out in the community. It's absolutely phenomenal. And this was just a beautiful story overall. So I just wanted to share that. That was a big night for Dougie Hamilton. And it was a big night for the Devils getting a 5-2 bounce back victory against the Flyers, which is always going to be a big um a big win nonetheless. And this is the first of the several games in the next 18 days that the Devils are playing the Flyers. I think the next time they play will be December 8th against the Flyers again. And this will be the first time, like I mentioned before, that we will see them wearing those black jerseys. The Devils' next game, however, will be this Tuesday on the 30th of November against the San Jose Sharks. So another opportunity against the team that is struggling for the Devils to get a victory on home ice. I personally am going to be at that game. So if you do have a chance to see me, if you do see me and you want to come up and say hi and talk some hockey, absolutely come and do so. Would love to chat with you guys. Um, definitely appreciate all the support that you guys give me, like I mentioned early on in this episode. And I'm very happy to be back and talking some Devils hockey. I'm going to try to do my best to catch up on social media as best as I can. And again, I do appreciate all of your guys' patience and support over this last uh, couple of days. And again, 
I want to send a special happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Hopefully they all enjoyed it. They were able to have an opportunity to spend time with some family that we couldn't really do, especially over the last year due to COVID. But I wanted to send happy Thanksgiving to all of you guys. I'm incredibly grateful and thankful for all of you. And I will continue to do the best that I possibly can every single episode, every single thing that I put out on social media here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast.